Hi everybody, it's Lindsay, and this is another week of the Hand Me Up Club, and it is not just any week, it is Halloween. it is the week of Halloween, we just got through with one Halloween. we've got another one coming up, and so I know Halloween is on everyone's mind, so before I get to an amazing interview with Ghost Eyes, I thought I would talk a little bit about Halloween and how to have a sustainable Halloween. We haven't really had a time to chat, myself, you, the listener, in the four episodes we've been going so far, so I figured now was the time, and why not do that about Halloween? I think everybody's already thinking about Halloween and sustainability, being topical, having that relevant, funny, sexy costume this year. I've already seen one Greta Thotberg, because, you know, if you're going to be something, it's going to be a sexy something, so why not a sexy Swedish teenager, apparently? Uh, but I'm just really waiting to see what the other sexy sustainable Halloween costumes are going to be, whether it's like a sexy Green New Deal or like a sexy mermaid caught in a net of microplastics with a straw up its nose or something. I don't know. I'll see what shows up in the Halloween costume hashtag on Instagram later this week. I'm prepared to be surprised and also a little horrified and also to laugh. So yeah, we'll stay tuned. We'll see what's coming. I'm kind of excited. Uh, but beyond costumes, obviously, and beyond being a sustainable character, there are a lot of things you can do to have a sustainable Halloween. Obviously, the thing that comes first to mind is having a sustainable costume beyond, again, just being a sustainable character, but sourcing your costume in a sustainable way, whether that's finding pieces at a thrift store or having a costume swap with your friends, because we all know that Halloween costumes, if you go to like a Spirit of Halloween shop, those are all pretty poorly made. You're only going to wear it once and it's probably really topical, so you're not going to even find a reason to use it again next year for the dozen Halloween parties you're going to go to. So why not just swap costumes with your friends. They don't need their Supergirl costume three years in a row. You can be Supergirl this year. You can be Poison Ivy. Those things that are kind of timeless, change it up. Swap with your friends. Or again, go to a thrift store. I know every Buffalo Exchange I've been in in the last few weeks has a huge costume section. Tons of Halloween things. So that's a great place to just look, whether even if it's not just a costume, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if it's not just a costume, but maybe you need jeans that you can tear up so you can be a really cool zombie, get those jeans from a thrift store. Why buy something new just to destroy it or just to cover it in fake blood or paint or whatever you're going to do to it? Find your costume pieces at a thrift store or source them sustainably. I know if you're thinking of, again, maybe you are going to be that mermaid caught in a net of microplastics or you're going to be something that involves glitter, definitely look into the biodegradable glitter. I know biodegradable glitter, it's a little controversial right now. A lot of people saying biodegradable glitter is kind of greenwashing. It's still got plastic. It's still microplastics. It's still bad for the planet. I'm not going to fight people on that. That's probably true. I feel like I have found some biodegradable glitter brands that don't seem to have as many plastics in them. Uh, one of those is Glitter Revolution. You can Google Glitter Revolution. You'll find their website. They are plant-based. It's compostable, plastic-free packaging. They do have a copolymer in their products, which is used for the adhesive. So still an opportunity for some microplastics there. But seems like a better option than some of the other 
quote-unquote biodegradable glitters I've seen. Do your research, look for it. Anything that says it's cosmetic grade though, I would say take with a grain of salt because literally thousands of cosmetics still have microplastics in them. So doesn't necessarily mean that that's a qualifier for something being a good product, but again, do your research. Look for some biodegradable glitter. There's something out there and that could be a way to have a costume that's super cool, super sparkly, and also errs on the side of sustainability which we're all for. And if you're thinking, okay, I've got my sustainable costume, I am ready to have an amazing eco-friendly Halloween, what's next? What's next, my friend, is what are you going to do with all that candy? Yes, right? Okay, so maybe you're not trick-or-treating, or maybe you are, no judgment. Let's not shame people who want to trick-or-treat when they're an older teenager. I will say if you're, like, in college, let's let's find a new hobby. Um, but if you are trick-or-treating or you have kids who are trick-or-treating and you're thinking, what do we do with all these candy wrappers? Let's talk about it. Candy wrappers can't really be recycled that well. They're usually a mix of different types of materials, whether that's foil or plastic or wax or whatever. And so that make, and they're also really tiny. So that makes it really hard to recycle candy wrappers. But there are things you can do with that. Uh, you can recycle them if you want to pay the money to get yourself a TerraCycle box. Not cheap. They're gonna probably even the small box is probably between fifty and hundred bucks. So not cheap, but it is a way to make sure that those candy wrappers do get upcycled or recycled into something new and are not just going to a landfill. But you can also upcycle them. I think if you were alive in the '90s, you probably made a Starburst bracelet at some point. If you didn't, I will absolutely link a tutorial in the episode guide how to make a Starburst bracelet. But we've all seen the Starburst bracelets, the bazooka bubblegum bags, um, taking those little comics from the bazooka bubblegum wrappers, uh, Capri Sun pouches turned into pencil cases. There are totally ways to upcycle those candy wrappers into something amazing. So even if you can't necessarily recycle them, there's totally something you can do with them, which is pretty cool. So I hope you think about that when you've got all these candy wrappers around. And maybe it's because you trick-or-treated or because your kids trick-or-treated or because you were at Target and it was on sale. And of course you're going to buy a $2 bag of Reese's Peanut Butter Pumpkins because they are so good. And also America's most popular Halloween candy. So of course you have them. Uh, if you have kids and they are trick-or-treating or you are a person who trick-or-treats yourself, I'm going to say go old school. Don't get a little plastic pumpkin carry-all. Don't get a plastic bag. Use the classic pillowcase, my friend. That is what I did as a kid growing up. That's what all my siblings did. A, you can get a king-size pillowcase so you don't have to reload and dump and refill all night. You can just keep going. It's classic. You can toss it over your shoulder when it gets too big or too heavy. Lots of opportunity. Very easy and malleable to use a pillowcase and also reusable, sustainable. Let's use a pillowcase. So let's say you have a kid. Maybe they are autistic or they have celiac disease. And so you say, no, I had to have my blue pumpkin or I had to have my teal pumpkin. To that, I say, get a blue pillowcase get a teal pillowcase, and then reuse that. When you have guests or someone's sleeping on your couch and you have that one random pillow with a one random pillowcase because you're never really using it for anything else, this is when you use that Halloween teal or blue pillowcase, my friend. That's when you do it. It's totally a sustainable way to approach trick-or-treating and to approach Halloween. 
And I'm going to say, do it. And if you're thinking, okay, you know what, Lindsay, that's fine, but I'm not a trick-or-treater, but I am expected to give out candy, how do I approach this? Or what do I do? What can I do that's sustainable about that? But to that, I would say, be the house that gives out the quarters or the house that gives out the apples. I don't know. If you're a dentist, be on brand. Live that. Give out an apple. Or I would say, again, kids are enterprising these days. They're already all on social media and they're already all influencers. Time is money. Give them a quarter. Give them a dime. Whatever. Be that house that gives kids coins. They probably don't even know what it is. They're all like, what's Venmo? What's PayPal? What's a penny? They don't know. Give them a coin. They'll appreciate it. And if I were to have this conversation with you in maybe a year, that could be totally different. I know in Europe, Nestle and Mars are both unveiling or have unveiled over the last few years biodegradable candy wrappers specifically for Snickers and some of the other Nestle candy bars. So Snickers is Mars. Mars has unveiled a biodegradable candy wrapper for Snicker bars in Europe and Nestle has done a similar thing for some of their products. I think it's like the yes, yes, exclamation point line, which is again, only in Europe or other foreign countries. Um, but hey, they have that product there. They have those biodegradable wrappers in other countries. So fingers crossed, you can't see them. This is an audio medium, but I promise you my fingers are crossed and I am hoping that we will get some biodegradable or compostable candy wrappers in the United States within the next year so that Halloween 2020, we have so many more options for having a sustainable Halloween. And I am so excited for that. I think the future is bright. I think Halloween is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see everyone's sustainable Halloween costumes. If you have ideas for how to have a better and a more sustainable, eco-friendly Halloween, absolutely at me. Hand me up club. Shoot me an email. Hand me up club at gmail.com. I want to hear from you or anything that's on your mind you want to talk about. Hand me up club. Sustainability fashion, New York, not New York. I'm open to it. Let's talk. I'm so excited. I have had so much Red Bull tonight, but it's going to be great and we're going to have a great episode. I am speaking with Nat from Ghost Eyes, which is a sustainable jewelry line. She's from Chicago. Total random happenstance. Saw she was in New York a couple months ago and said, if you have time, I would love to talk to you. And she had time and we talked and it was fantastic. So I'm super excited for you to listen to that. That's coming up next. Have a great Halloween and enjoy. Bye. Hi everyone. It's Lindsay and welcome to another episode of the Hand Me Up Club. I am so excited today. It felt like all the stars aligned, all the beads on the string, all the grass in the air, it all came together to work perfectly for me to talk and hang out at the Hand Me Up Club with Nat Standiford. She's from the south side of Chicago, but she's here in New York this weekend, so it's going to sound great, people. Don't worry, no bad audio from a cell phone. She's from the south side of Chicago. Uh, she started Ghost Eyes in 2015. Now, let's talk a little bit about Ghost Eyes. Ghost Eyes is a sustainably handmade brand that's striving to empower all bodies. Their items include jewelry, accessories, and apparel handmade in Chicago. So you can feel good about getting something made in America, made sustainably, made handmade by Nat herself. 
and she started selling jewelry when she was 14 years old as a freshman in high school at Mother Macaulay, the country's largest all-girls school. Hi, Nat! <laughs> Hi! <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I saw just on Instagram that you're like, I'm in New York! Had to jump on that. It's like, this is perfect. You're here. Have to get on that. I love all the stuff you make because it's so colorful and just fun and all these cool patterns and designs and i'm just so excited to talk to you but i want to talk to you i want to know more about your background your backstory how all this came to be like tell me about you let's deep dive on that okay um (laughs) so i i've always loved making things um mostly uh self-taught i've been making jewelry for kind of I guess a long time but more so dabbling and I feel like in 2015 I had gone through a bit of trauma and I used ghost eyes as a platform to cope and heal and like find my voice again and I think I was going through a period of like being very goth and wearing a lot of black and I had all of these beads that I didn't know what to do with um, because I wasn't making jewelry for a while And then I decided to start sewing with them, which was not something I had ever done. And the first thing I made was a no shirt. And um, a no shirt, meaning a shirt that says no. It says no. And like, I have a photo of it that I'll I'll send you. Um, Great. We'll put it in the episode guide, everyone. Yeah. It's insanely colorful. There's like hundreds of beads on it, um, like tiny, tiny seed beads. And yeah, I don't know. I've kind of like jumped around a bit with like embroidery and like just trying to find what I felt really proud of making because, you know, any small business owner, I feel like you will struggle a bit and trying to find like what you want to make and you feel good about. And I feel like I'm finally at that point where I feel really, really proud and happy about what I'm making. And um, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I think it's definitely good that you feel proud of what you're making. If you came in here like, eh, it's yeah, fine, yeah. that would be a problem. So yeah, that's great. It's, it's been a long process, but. I'm sure. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. exactly. You're here. Now, I love all the stuff you were just talking about. Your super colorful no shirt. I'm looking at the earrings you're wearing right now. These super colorful butterflies. Love it. I think that's what draw me to your brand in the first place was just how fun and colorful it is because so much if you just search the sustainable fashion hashtag on instagram or something it's all beige white really Mm, neutral tones because of course they're using a lot of natural fabrics and dyes but you have kind of found a way to do that in a colorful way and how do you i think break past that mold of this is what sustainable fashion looks like with something that's totally unique to yourself I, yeah, I feel like one of the problems that I've found is, like, I am always looking for something bizarre and different and weird and funky, and I'm not seeing a lot of that out there. I mean, there's definitely people making awesome shit. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I guess how I've gotten into it, I just I feel like black and neutral colors are just a little too safe and... I love color and I just feel like so happy when I'm working with colors and I literally used to wear black and now I'm just wearing all the color that well I guess I'm kind of wearing black but uh 
You're very colorful. Yeah. Don't worry about um, it. Trust me. Everyone. But I just very want, colorful. I want people to like know that you can be happy and colorful while being sustainable and not feel like, yeah, you have to like, sustainable means like beige hemp products. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not always the case. I mean, people that thrift a lot obviously know you can find colorful things. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, Sorry. that's fine. <laughs> I think that's a very important point because when I first sort of started on my sustainability journey and I really wanted to get into that, it really was largely thrifting because yeah. I do have a really colorful style and I want to wear fun, funky yeah. clothes. And a lot of the sustainable brands that I was seeing at the time, like when you first Google sustainable fashion, the things that are at the top of the page, they all do kind of have a certain aesthetic to it. And then as you slowly get to learn more about it, you find those smaller indie brands that are making the colorful things. But I think when you sort of start on that journey, it is with a lot of sustainable practices and thrifting and repurposing to have your style sort of come through with that mindset and then as you get sort of deeper into it that's when you find the brands that align with what you're looking for but it can be really hard at first so I think it's cool that you're working on that yeah and like you know not everyone can go thrifting not everyone like has the patience and time and dedication or the resources to find like awesome thrift stores that just have stuff um, I mean, obviously, you can go to, like, a resale store. Um, that's not really thrifting to me. But um, all the colorful stuff is usually, like, fast fashion bullshit, which, like, is fine to a degree. But then, like, you don't really feel that great about buying that stuff all the time. Um, I feel like time and place. But, yeah, basically, just want people to feel good and feel like they can wear, like, cute shit without feeling awful about it. Yeah. So I want to go back to what you said. Resale shops are not thrifting to you. How would you define thrifting? Because that's very curious to me. Like- Salvation Army, um, Village Discount, those are huge thrift stores in Chicago. Goodwill. Goodwill, yeah, Goodwill. I mean, just, I mean, I don't want to, like, say that a resale shop isn't thrifting. I just feel like it's a little bit can be overpriced. Um vintage or used clothing and I feel like you can literally find that in thrift stores but it's like a a lot of work sometimes Mm -hmm. but I love doing that kind of stuff I love hunting down I mean but like then there's like eBay like my shoes are from eBay um do you do any of the other online I don't, thrifting in quotes air quotes people listening can't see me do them but like um depop I, poshmark yeah like all that kind of stuff i haven't bought anything off like depop or poshmark um i think it's a great amazing resource for people that again don't want to go deal with thrift stores because it can be gross um like bed bugs and stuff but macklemore is like, just hiding in all the aisles <laughs> yeah like i don't want to ever be negative about you know, resell store, like vintage shops and like Depop. Like, I don't mean to sound negative at all. I just usually just thrift. Hey. Is that what you're asked? Sorry. No, like, that's it. So I want to know, like, what's your idea of thrifting? Because to me, I'm just like, thrifting is when you buy something secondhand. Yeah. You give it a second life, secondhand, but then. Technically, it is. 
But I just, I guess I'm just being like a bit of a brat because I like have been going to thrift stores since I was like a little kid. But mm-hmm. no, it's totally valid. Like that's all valid. You mm-hmm. can thrift from vintage stores. That's not what I. Yeah, <laughs> that's all good. I remember going to the Salvation Army when I was in high school, and everyone tried to make it sound really cool and trendy. They'd be like, "I'm going to Salvo." Did, did oh, people do that when you were? God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it's good that thrifting and buying secondhand was definitely a part of the culture, especially because I was in a magnet theater program. So everyone was always buying like quirky things, not yeah. only to wear, but as costumes and things like that. But then because everyone was shopping at these secondhand things, they all sort of developed their own slang. And I just remember being like, going to the GW or going to Salvo. <laughs> they all had nicknames. <laughs> yeah, no. I only had like a couple friends that would thrift in high school and it wasn't like that cool. It was kind of like, oh, okay, you're like poor. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I am poor, but I'm also like you're finding cool shit that's vintage at the thrift store for like $2. So like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. There was always that point of pride too when you would wear something really cool. They'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Where'd you find that? You'd yeah. be like... This only cost me $3. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love telling people when I got something on sale or when I got it for really, really cheap because yeah. that's that's impressive. That's a whole other skill. Yeah. Not only being stylish as yeah. a skill, but being a hustler. spendy and a hustler and being willing to dig and find those diamonds in the rough. That's a skill. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. On resume. Yeah. Excellent <laughs> thrift shopper. Let's go back to Ghost Eyes and your brand. You're making this all handmade, but let's talk more about how long does it take to make a pair of earrings? Because I think that's another thing people have in mind with sustainable fashion is that it has to be expensive. And it's slow fashion, not only in that you're investing in it and you're wearing it as long as possible, but because it's not being made in this major factory in like Bangladesh that it takes a long time to make and it's got to be expensive. So I would love to know how long it takes to make something that's handmade by you and kind of your process and kind of how you incorporate sustainability into that. Um, so, yeah, I use felt, um, which is the base of all of my jewelry is uh, I sew onto felt, but the felt is made 100% from recycled plastic bottles um, I source as many materials as I can from, there's a shop called the Waste Shed in Chicago that's all donation-based art supplies. So, oh, I've definitely heard of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great. They're, they're amazing. Um, One more time for people who don't know what it is. So the Waste Shed is a completely donation-based art supply store. Um, it's at Chicago and Sacramento, so you should go. And it's very, very affordable but yeah I try to like reuse like tissue and like I get like my paper products from the way shed and just like all these like little things I'm just trying to like but uh yeah so I just try to be very thoughtful um as far as the amount of time that it takes to make things um that really kind of depends if it's something that I've made like a bunch of times you know I can usually like crank that out pretty quickly but I mean I am so um when I am hand beating things I mean just that's just gonna take a minute 
I guess it's it's kind of hard to say how long things take to make because there's a lot of other elements involved that people don't think about, um, especially like with custom custom orders and like these butterflies, for example. These are the first ones I made, but they took a really long, they took like three days to make one pair of earrings, but that's because they're the first ones I made. So like then the second time, you know, it could take me like a day, but that's still like a lot of things take, it's like, you know, it takes one full day to make one pair of earrings is kind of insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at it in that way, like if you were employing someone to make those earrings, you know, they're expecting, at least in New York, like $15 an hour is the minimum wage. So 15 times eight, that's how much then that, at least that one product kind of has to cost. Yeah. And that's not including like materials and like just the general know-how of how to make things. Cause like I'm mostly self-taught uh, my grandma did teach me how to sew you're you're self-taught your grandma taught you how to sew so there's you have to pay for that knowledge plus the time plus the materials and i think that's kind of where pricing yeah and from. it's it's really hard to compete with like you know fast fashion as everyone knows um and people have asked me like oh well why don't you outsource in india or something and like yeah that's definitely an option but that kind of takes the making and the art out of like that's the whole reason I love making is like I know where this is coming from I know that like I'm treating myself well and like I'm giving myself a living wage like not to say that you can't do that when you outsource but it gets really tricky to know how to do that Mm -hmm. properly I think that's something people that aren't necessarily artists don't understand like when an artist tries to monetize their art it's because you want to keep making art, but you also need to survive. Yeah. You're not necessarily trying to be an entrepreneur. And, I mean, obviously you have this business and you're, like, this woman, girl boss. But that wasn't necessarily the goal. The goal was, I want to keep making this thing. Not how do I make money doing it. Not, I want to run a business. What does my business do? And I think people that aren't artists don't necessarily understand that. Because I think a lot of other people are understandably financially motivated so they think you have a business you make money how do you make the most money how do you make the most efficient business whereas people that come from a perspective of art and making things are thinking no I just want to make the art and make the things but I have to eat (laughs) yeah and that's kind of where like it gets a little tricky but I mean I try to make my prices as affordable as I can I mean I do have some jewelry like that starts at like $10. My hand beading jewelry starts at $28. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty affordable. Um, I know that not everyone can afford handmade, of course, um, but I'm trying to make it as accessible um, as possible. And, you know, some people are like, that's too cheap. And some people are like, that's way too expensive. And it's like, it's all about context. And if people understand or they don't understand, I mean, you just... There's not much to do about it. You'll find the fans wherever yeah. they are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to do a little game <laughs> okay. with you. Um, basically, what I did is I went through your Instagram and I pulled some of the hashtags that you used on different oh. pictures, and oh, they God. are in this hat. <laughs> and you know those games where you pull the word out and then you have to like think of a song that has the word in it? Okay. We're going to do that. 
we are lucky we have your friend Ariel here. She can we use you to be our person to draw the words out so no one has an advantage of knowing what the word is. <laughs> We're just gonna play the game, but this way at least it can be fair. You know, if someone were to pull it out, they would see what the word is first. Okay, all right. So there's no way I'll to really try. prepare for this. But they're easier ones. I like went on lyrics.com for all of them to make sure there were songs that contain those <laughs> words. Okay, cool. Um, if you can, go for it. If you're more of a sing speaker, go for it. If you want to, like, beat poem it out, beat poem it out. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> um, you can, here, come, come by me, and I'll have you share my mic. Okay. And so we'll get your voice. <laughs> All right. Um, the first one is banana. Oh, Okay. Well, obviously, uh, Gwen Stefani. That's um. exactly where we went. <laughs> shit is bananas. Yeah, shit's bananas. B A N A N S. Also, um, was it the ring, 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 ring banana boom by oh. the Wiggles? Wait, bananas in pajamas song? Oh, bananas in pajamas. Yeah, that That's was the weirdest thing. I if you know, look back on I it really now, I really loved it when I was little, though. Bananas in pajamas are coming down the stairs. There we go. <laughs> Ghost. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> ghost. Um, that song by Ella Henderson. Do you remember? It? Like, I'm trying to get to the part that has the word "ghost" in, it in my head. And your ghost, the ghost of you that keeps me awake. That one, like, give up the ghost, no more haunting, baby. Give up the ghost. Okay, it's ghost. <laughs> it's ghost by Ella Henderson. What's you have another a really ghost? great voice? Oh, thank you. I'm not a singer. Um, uh, queen. Well, I just think of Queen because uh, <laughs> I love Queen. But, well, can that be part of it? I'll I'll take it. Technicality. Okay. I mean, don't stop me now. <laughs> I'm not gonna sing. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not really good at this game. I'm trying. String. I've got the world on a string. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, oh that, that could be a double one. Like, I've got the world on a string. I'm sitting on a rainbow. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sure yeah. rainbow's in that hat somewhere. Hey! Rainbow. <laughs> um, rainbow bright, feeling shiny bright. Rainbow bright. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, and I love rainbow bright, so. Perfect. Eyes. These eyes. Oh! Cry every night. <laughs> For you. Yeah, you Where'd you get those eyes? Jeepers, creepers. Brown eyed girl. There we go. Oh, brown eyed girl. <laughs> yeah, we're a big fan of that one. Fun? Um, I would say, like, girls just want to have fundamental rights. <laughs> Haha, ha, so funny. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah. So there we go. Ooh, I bumped it. All right. Thank you so much, Ariel. So there we go. Those were some of the words that I kind of pulled from around. It was like, where can we find things that relate to those? And I think that gives people a pretty good idea of what Ghost Size is about. It's fun. It's rainbows. Yeah. It's sparkly and shiny. It's all those things. Yeah. Absolutely. So... 
typically we end episodes with a hand me up because this is the hand me up club. I feel like you would have a lot of really great hand me ups because you've overcome a lot in your life. I know what was one of the first things that kind of caught my attention with your profile was you talked about your experience with Shriners Children's Hospital and let's talk about that a little bit because I feel there are a lot of people that have things that they need to overcome and they have a lot of big dreams and sometimes it seems like that's really hard like something is very debilitating or exhausting you just think it's going to be difficult or yeah. the road ahead yeah is going to be a lot of work um but you did that yeah definitely um you know I don't know if I I think I already said this but um I did make ghost eyes um as a way to cope um and to deal with trauma and that's kind of always been a thing that I've done um so a little context I did have brain and spine surgery um I had my brain surgery at UIC then I had my spine surgery at Shriners Children's Hospital um which is an amazing hospital that only takes like super rare cases from all over the world and they do everything for free and I had like such an amazing experience when it was like a very traumatic um uh, you know, I could have died during both of these surgeries and Trader's Hospital was really amazing. Um, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. I That just caught my eye because I had never seen an actual person that had gone through Shriners. I know growing up, my grandpa was a driver and he would drive the vans for kids from where we were in Michigan or along kind of that Midwest corridor to Shriners Hospital. Um, he was a truck driver during the weekdays and then you know he would drive vans on the weekends but it would be and he still does it to take kids to Shriners and so to me those kids were always so abstract um, because they were all these super rare cases in my mind you just picture like all these super rare cases as the kids and all the ads for like children's hospitals just like big smiles bald heads and just not relatable in any way to me as a child like playing in the street in the suburbs of Detroit. So to see someone who actually went through that, it was so fascinating to put a face behind what my grandpa was doing every weekend and see this kind of great story for you as you've evolved out of that. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I'm so insanely grateful that they took me on as a, as a patient. And I do feel like they definitely influenced the way I kind of see the world, they were just so kind and offered so many things to people going through really traumatic things, um, life-threatening issues, and to be in a place with so much care. Um, I mean, even ongoing after years afterwards, they like still offer like free trips for children to like to do things. Um, they're just a really amazing organization, and it is really awesome to meet um, someone else that knows about Shriners and has someone that um, volunteers their time with Shriners. Yeah. So with that in mind, can be related to that or not, do a hand-me-up yeah. for the rest of the hand-me-up club. Your pro tip, word of advice, some wisdom to pass on, whatever that might be for you. But we try and close out our episodes with a hand-me-up. So what have yeah. you got for us, Nat? Some just basic words of advice that I could offer would be to trust the process um, within whatever you have going on and just keep doing 
the next best thing for you um and just keep doing what's healthy and um keep doing things that will help you grow and heal as a person and be kind to yourself and be patient that's great that's great be kind to yourself absolutely i think people that are always trying to create or make change sometimes you feel like you have to keep going and you have to keep up this crazy pace because your goals and happiness depend on it or because you feel like the world at large depends on it you know you're trying to be the sustainability warrior and if you give up a relent for one second it feels like the world's just gonna crumble yeah. and i think be kind to yourself absolutely you, you can't help anyone if if you're not taking care of yourself you know mm-hmm Great. Great. So tell me where, tell me, tell everyone listening, where can we find you? Anything coming up? Anything you want to share about you? Where can people find you? Ghost Eyes, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I have a website. My website is ghosteyes.net. Super cool. Dot <laughs> com is taken. Uh, but uh, my Instagram is just ghost eyes that you can usually find me right away if you just type in ghost eyes um but i do a lot of pop-ups in chicago i have a handful coming up um i don't know just reach out absolutely awesome thank you so much for coming you're officially a member of the hand me up club thank you to everyone who's been listening and i will talk to you next week Hand Me Up Club is hosted by Lindsay Ruter, recorded and engineered by Adam Zucker, and edited by Caitlin Correa at CC Media. Thanks for listening!